Welcome back to the Design Pod. We hope you're keeping safe. Today on the show, we have a special guest with us, Professor Snehanshu Mukherjee. With over 38 years of experience in the field of architecture and design, he also has over 30 years of experience as an academician. He graduated in 1982 with a bachelor's degree in architecture from the School of Planning and Architecture, New Delhi. He went on to do a post graduation as an as an inlac scholar from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Cambridge, USA. Graduating in 1988 with a specialization in design and housing. He won the first prize in the National Architectural Design Competition to design the new wing of the NGMA, National Gallery of Modern Art, Jaipur House, New Delhi, which led to the formation of the firm of the firm team for engineering architecture and management, New Delhi, where he has been in practice for over 38 years as a founding partner. Currently, Professor Mukherjee is part of the Indian Institute of Art and Design faculty and teaches interior architecture and design. We're beyond honored to have you as our guest today, sir. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to speak with us today. How are you doing? I'm fine and thank you for inviting me into this podcast. Uh, it will be a pleasure to be able to talk to you all and discuss some of these issues that I think every every student would like to know about. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. We're definitely looking forward to having these conversations with you, and you know, helping all the design students that are out there listening to this podcast. So, without further delay, let's get right into the question. Right into the questions we have for you today. So, we all have a basic gist of what interior design is and what architecture is. I've heard that interior architecture is a separate discipline, deals with the design of. a building from the inside out um i was kind of confused when i first heard this so can you please elaborate on what this means and how um this form is an integration of interior design and architecture right so yes as you said interior architecture is a comparatively recent course compared to interior design and architecture which as we all know is probably the oldest profession in the world uh, so the difference lies in the fact that interior design as it is conventionally taught is about largely about styling and furniture and accessories and the way you choose the shades of your walls and false ceiling and things like that whereas interior architecture goes further in many ways it's very similar to architecture because we do look at uh the structural modifications that are required to do an interior of an existing building uh we get into the design of uh, electricals and plumbing we are capable of uh doing the illumination calculations design lighting so basically it goes beyond the level of styling which is what is associated with the traditional interior design course now as you said it is really like doing architecture from inside out and the reason for this is that if you see what architects do and uh, what architects actually do is to build a building from scratch and uh, they start 
with the site and they make the foundations and so on and so forth in terms of construction. In terms of design, the building is designed completely as a new building. Now, in the past, architects also dealt with the interiors. But over the years, what has happened is that uh, a lot of the buildings that are coming up are actually like shells, especially commercial buildings, which means that there is a facade of some sort around a structure. And within the structure, what the offices get or the shops get is a bare shell, which means that there's just the columns, the beams, the slabs. They don't even get the flooring. They don't get the ceiling. And uh, which is why you have a situation where you need interior architects to come in who can deal with the air conditioning, the lighting, the firefighting, the plumbing, the electricals, all the technical side, as well as creating the design for the insides. And this is what sets apart the interior architect from an architect as well as from an interior designer. So just to elaborate a little bit more. So what the interior architect is doing today is actually coming into the space that the architect is leaving behind, both in terms of the actual uh, built environment, because the architect is only concerned right now with the external facades and the structure and the core, which has the staircase and the, the common toilets and the elevators and all of that. And then the rest of it, he or she is going to leave to the interior architects to come and plan and uh, therefore also design and then work out the drawings and all of that. So the interior architect is actually very similar to an architect, except he or she is not going to be making the building from the ground up, but works within the building that exists. And the other interesting thing is that um, when you have an existing building, you have to modify it very often. Now, this is something that interior designers are usually not capable of. But interior architects are. So if you have to remove a wall, you have to add a window, you have to make a bigger opening, uh, you need to make a hole in the floor to connect two floors, all of that, the interior architect is more equipped as a student of interior architecture than a typical interior design student. So I guess I am able to now explain to you the similarities and the dissimilarities between the three disciplines, right? Yes, sir. Sir, I think it was really interesting and very new to me personally because traditionally when you hear about interior design, like you said, you think about the styling aspect, but when you bring in this um, architecture feature to it, you kind of look into the structural part and other technical details you wouldn't expect. So I That's find it really yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. People always have the common misconception is like they just look at the aesthetics, but it's more yeah. of the functionality also plays into role when it comes yeah. to this. So in a way, it's a more holistic or wholesome role that the interior mm -hmm. architect plays. And uh, he or she will start where the architect leaves off. So there is no real conflict between the two, if you understand what I'm saying. And yes. the, the other interesting thing I'm sure you would have realized is that over the years, there are lesser number of new buildings being built. And yeah. as we all know, the real estate is in a slump, you know, I mean, nobody's buying these new flats anymore. The bubble has sort of burst. But there is a whole lot of structures which are just standing around empty. And this is where the interior architect has an edge because he or she can actually, for instance, in the West, it's happening in a big way. 
that let's say that the developer had built uh, an apartment block but has no no buyers right now so therefore you do a conversion of the land use and you change it to let's say commercial you know or institutional so the interior architect is best equipped to deal with such a structure and convert it for the new use you know or vice versa you designed an office block and built it as an architect for some developer but now you find that there is an excess of office space available so you might as well now convert it to a housing uh, block and that's where again the interior architect comes in so you know it becomes a it becomes a very valuable profession to be in in today's context because as i said there are fewer and fewer new buildings to be built but there will always be scope for the insides to be redone <clears throat> even if you have an existing interior done in it the new client or the new owner will always want to make a change and have a new space and for that matter even the older owner after a certain number of years will completely change the interior and this is very common in the hospitality industry as i'm sure you know that in hotels after a period of 5 or 6 years they have to redo the rooms simply so that the guests who come uh, feel that newness you know that wow mm-hmm. factor is what will keep bringing them to the hotel so that's the other thing about why an interior architect becomes such an important uh, player in today's context yeah so um if i'm not wrong interior landscaping also involves bringing a natural interior spaces to yeah. life with elements yeah. such as plants Absolutely. and greenery yes so i want to know as a designer who works with interior landscaping and planning like mm-hmm. what are the factors that you do you, what are the factors that you consider when planning right how do you yeah. make sure that the indoor environment is suitable for the new installments you add and change right so you see landscape is actually not given that much importance in the conventional commercial interior uh, and that's a great pity because landscape has a huge role to play uh, within interiors and this is something that a lot of our interior architects or architects or interior designers have still not got on to so to give you a very simple example it's covid time and much before that there have been several talks that you can see even on ted uh, where people are talking about the power of plants in removing the toxicity from our you know air and from the built environment and as you know in an interior project many materials that are used actually give off toxic fumes now this is where the awareness of the interior architect or the architect becomes very important when you choose the sort of materials that you are using to do the finishes of any interior project um for instance i'll give you an example a lot of people like to use laminated flooring and it's sort of all the rage because it's very trendy but these laminated flooring the way it's manufactured it has uh, you know the underneath the laminate the board that is there is actually a phenol bonded board which means there's a chemical within it which you know sort of glues the particles together which makes up the board now these chemicals leach into the air so you have specific plants which if you put into the interior in uh, strategic locations will actually deal with these fumes these toxic pollutants in the air and actually absorb them <clears throat> so that uh, when you are breathing the air you are not breathing the toxic fumes 
So that is one very, very important aspect of planning out the interior landscape of any space. And it is irrespective of whether it is a, a residential project or a commercial project, you can always bring in plants. The issue about plant, and what is ironical, again, you would have seen, I'm sure, is that a lot of designers actually put in plastic plants, which are so realistic looking, you can't tell they are plastic, which is, you know, completely, you know, idiosyncratic because here you can actually get the real plants and you can choose plants that do not require huge amounts of maintenance. There are also agencies that specialize in rotating the plant because at some point they'll need to be taken out into the sunshine. So it is not difficult actually to plan the interior with the plants. The other important aspect of plants is that they provide a huge uh, psychological relief to the inhabitants of that space. So if you look at these large corporate offices or call centers that come up, they are repetitive and to some extent they create an inhuman environment. You know, it's very, very, and with bright lights. So it can cause a lot of uh, psychological distress. The moment you add all the plants into that space, it transforms it. So even an existing office space can be transformed through landscaping. And uh, it will, apart from dealing with the air quality and other such factors, it will immediately uplift the mood of the occupants of that space. So that's why I say that, you know, we neglect the use of landscape. We do not really plan for it in advance. Only if the client kind of is aware and insists, does the designer put that in. On their own, they don't often do this at all, which is a great pity. Mm. So if I'm not wrong, there's a there's a group of uh, like there's a builder group called Total mm. Environment. Yeah. And yeah. they specialize in um, you know landscape architecture and everything. I stay in a total environment. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh I see. So do you have plants growing within your space or is it out? So many plants. We have so many plants. It's hard to get any sunlight. So I'm staying in the ground floor. Okay. So we have so many plants, like every time we have visitors come in, they keep saying mm. like, it looks mm. like as if it's the forest. <laughs> we have so many plants and it's the, the second you step into my apartment, you can feel the coolness also. Mm. Like there's a difference. Absolutely. You are lucky to have such an apartment because most apartments don't even provide space for putting up plants. I mean, the, the verandas are so narrow that you can barely stand there. So where would you put the plants, you know, when I mean, you have to hang them? But uh, yes, as I said, inside, you can always put them. It requires a bit of maintenance, but I think it's a small price to pay for the benefits that you get, you know? So... Definitely. I wouldn't, I cannot live in a place. Unlike like, <laughs> the drops is this uh, really nice for me. Yeah, I'm I sure to... I'm, yeah, sorry, carry on, please. Yeah, yeah continue, sir. No, I was saying I'm aware of the work Total Environment does. Uh, I've never been to any of their projects, but I have seen their plans and their uh, photographs and read about their projects. So, yes, I can understand that they take special care uh, in doing this sort of thing. But more people need to do it. It's as simple as that. And it's not difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so, like you said, people, they resort to putting in plastic plants in their houses yeah. nowadays. I think yeah. it's just the reluctance to take care of the plants. Right. Because... Absolutely. Because good plants require a lot of care and mm. a lot of people, they, you know, end up killing them, like yeah. such as myself. I ended up <laughs> killing a cactus, which I'm not proud of. Yeah. But yeah, 
Yeah, but that's the reason why there are agencies who look after your plant. So if you are mm. the sort who is not particularly good at gardening, then all you have to do is that, you know, you enter into an agreement with the agency and they'll come take care of the plants, they'll rotate the plants, they'll do all of that. So it's not that difficult. Yes, it costs a little more because somebody else is doing that work for you. But I think the benefits, if you can afford it, are amazing. And it's a great hobby, you know, it's a major de-stressing uh, activity, really, in our kind of stressed out lives that I'm sure all of us lead in a big city today. So, yeah, definitely lifts up your mood. Yeah, so it's amazing. And the kind of things you can learn by just, you know, finding out more about the plants. Like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of new research uh, done by scientists which uh, have established that actually, you know, the plants talk to each other and they kind yeah. of help each other grow. They pass on vital information through the roots. So it's quite amazing. I mean, these are things that maybe in the past, uh, in ancient times, people were sort of aware instinctively. But in our day and time when everything has to be proved rationally, you require scientists to do these sort of major researches to be able to yeah. prove that plants are, you know, very valuable. And with mm. uh, climate change, that's our only hope, to put it very bluntly. Yeah, so talking about climate change, like I had another question. Mm -hmm. So uh, being a designer in India, mm. how do you ensure that the buildings you plan are timeless and can withstand strong weather? Mm. Like how do you take into account heavy rains and the drastic change yeah. in climate in different, different locations? Yeah, so this is a very, very good question because... Unfortunately, most of our colleges that teach architecture do not teach it like that in the course. And uh, what happens is that the architect sort of discovers it through his or her own mistakes or simply by observation and through experience. Whereas this is something that needs to be taught right from college onwards. And what we have been doing all along is that, you know, they're actually very simple things. And that's what we also do in our interior architecture course. So though in the interior architecture, we are stuck with the building as we get it. So the orientation of the building is not in our control. Whereas in architecture, the first thing is that on the same site, the building can be oriented in the best possible manner so that you don't let it heat up unnecessarily. You allow the breeze to pass through it. And I'm sure as you've been reading or hearing, there's a lot of research now because of COVID which is saying switch off air conditioning and keep your spaces well ventilated. And this is how it was in the past and not very much in the past. When I was a student of architecture, which now seems several hundred years ago, <laughs> but uh, it's like, you know, all the, so our, our uh, college is located uh, in the midst of the office complex of Delhi, that what is called the income tax office complex area. So there are a number of offices there. They were all without air conditioning, including our college. Today, even our college has gone, uh, that is SPA, Delhi, has gone and sealed off some of the windows in the hope that they're going to air condition it. And, you know, it's crazy because that's exactly what not should be done. And mm. so it leads, it's like a chain effect, you know. So if you air condition, you consume more power, which means you burn more fossil fuels. That means you create a bigger problem for the climate change situation. Mm. Whereas if we were to design buildings, which are insulated, and that's what in my practice we have always done. We do double walling with air gaps. We make sure that the sun shades are such that it stops the summer sun from coming in. But in Delhi, as you know, it gets cold in winters and you let the winter sun come in. You insulate the roof really well. 
because that's where the the heat intake is the maximum from because it gets like the entire daylight hours gets heated uh, so you do things like that then comes this thing about the choice of materials if you're going to do a glass facade that's a killer you're basically constructing a giant solar oven mm. so we never do such things and you again decide your window sizes in such a manner that it allows in daylight but doesn't allow in excessive daylight because that also builds up heat within then the choice of materials you know more natural materials will always be more beneficial so for instance even if you do a reinforced concrete structure your external walls can be in stabilized mud block and bangalore for years actually almost 30 40 years there are buildings i'm sure you know uh, which are in stabilized mud blocks which is far more insulating than even brick so there are various materials various techniques by which you can create a building that requires very little energy to live with but unfortunately the trends are in the opposite direction everybody wants split air conditioning and you know they want uh, all the artificial lighting within and uh, that's the way it's going and it's the job of the designers to educate their clients that look there is a better way and finally it makes economic sense i think that's what clinches the deal finally that you save money and if you can show through calculations how much money you can save then the client is going to sort of you know listen to you so this is what we have been doing in our practice for many years we've done the osho ashram in delhi where the main uh, meditation hall is completely open from the sides it's just a roof and we've surrounded with trees so that the microclimate in that space is always comfortable and the maximum we have because of the monsoon period which is short luckily in delhi we have these air blowers which are from earth tunnels so that brings in cooler air into the space so that your body temperature remains at an acceptable level so these are the sort of techniques that one that that exists this is not something that i have invented these are known technologies but very few designers actually want to do the research and find out so so that's the story behind how to be climate proof sir i think that was a really clever answer because um as you bring back the natural approach to you know um designing interior and architecture you're kind of moving towards the whole sustainability movement yes. which has been a big word right now yeah and um it reminded me of this thing which my mom told me a while ago which is that when she was young the only thing that they had to keep themselves cool was their mud houses mm-hmm. and it was just a natural coolant for them and it yes. was you know better than an air conditioner any day and any day. i was so fascinated by how something as i thought small as you know the choice of the material makes a huge mm-hmm. difference mm-hmm. so Absolutely. yeah I, found that very fascinating and the other interesting thing that's linked to this whole uh, cycle let's say or the whole uh, ecosystem that using natural materials create is that you are forced to work with traditional crafts people you know because they are the ones who carry the knowledge if you mm-hmm. want to make a mud wall today a mason who is used to working with brick or concrete will not know how so you need to go to the traditional crafts people and they hold the secrets to sustainable living because they are the ones who actually use the traditional materials and the traditional techniques which are non industrial and therefore non polluting and uh, 
we can very well do it. So in IIAD, this is our focus. So from the second year onwards, we get our students to you know, look at crafts and understand how to use crafts in their interior projects. And we try to tie them up with craftspeople, with organizations that work with craftspeople so that they get a first-hand knowledge. And our hope is that when they go out into the field, at least some of them would you know, continue in that fashion and create a better uh, living environment. So crafts is a very, very important thing. And luckily for us in India, we have some amazing craftsmen, whether it's in textiles or in anything, woodwork, you just name it, pottery. And all of them, all their crafts can be actually applied to architecture. So, uh, sir, recently I came across this really interesting article that uh, spoke about plagiarism and architecture. Mm. Um, it talked about how when it comes to architecture, there is a very fine line between work that is copied, that mm. is uh, reaching copyrights, and work that is inspired. Yeah. Uh, for example, if an architect decides to plan a building in the shape of a pyramid, it isn't considered to be breaching any copyright. Mm -hmm. A strong base and a narrow tip is common sense. Mm. However, if you copy a more complex structure, like the Burj Khalifa, you mm. can be sued for it. Yeah, how do that's you, right. How do how you, do you know, distinguish? Yeah, how do you, <laughs> how do you know distinguish? what is considered to be plagiarism and what is yeah. not? Right, so let's take the example of the pyramid, right? The best known pyramids are the ones in Egypt. And if you know of the project that this Chinese-American architect did, I am Pei, for the Louvre in France, in Paris. So in the middle of the huge courtyard of the Louvre, the museum, he built a glass pyramid, right? Now, as far as the pyramid shape is concerned, he has not really, he, you can say he's copied, but it is not plagiarism. He's taken the idea of the pyramid from the ones which are 4,000 years old. Now, if I am going to take that same idea of pays, that is, I build an exact replica of that same glass pyramid and I put it in Kaban Park in Bangalore, then people are going to say this man has copied this idea or he's copied a design. So the point is that inspiration is always there because there are things that have been done for thousands of years before we as designers currently are practicing. So you're going to learn from that. And you can learn from all kinds of things, whether it's the frescoes in Ajanta or uh, you travel to Rome and see the Coliseum or whatever it is. But that is translated by the designer according to the context of the design into something that becomes his own. It is not a cut and paste. So if you do a cut and paste, and then that becomes plagiarism. If you right. are transforming the idea to suit your context and your design, then it is no longer plagiarism. It is then an inspired design from something that has stayed in your memory, from something that you have seen. So you always learn from things that have been done in the past. In our training of students, we call it case studies. So these are treated as case studies where you understand the logic behind that design, the, and you analyze it for the pros and the cons. It's not just that you say, oh, this is fantastic. You also see what are the problems. Now, once you understood that design, you have internalized it. What you create is your creation then. It is no longer a cut and paste. 
So this is basically the difference between plagiarism and design inspirations. I hope I'm able to explain this. Yes, sir, definitely. It was pretty clear that, like, you know, a lot of things of what we do is inspired by a lot of things, like yeah. you know, life experiences or whatever that we, yeah. or like, whatever we see is always in our subconscious. Yes. So we end up drawing inspiration from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so that finally brings us to the last question we have for today. Mm-hmm. Um, for all our architecture aspirants listening. So after studying architecture, I wanted to ask you what scope is available for students. Everyone knows about, you know, constructing buildings and interesting spaces as an architect. Mm-hmm. But um, what else is there? Because I'm sure there's a very vast scope and variety yeah. of opportunities for yeah. architects. Oh, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, so let me answer that in, a, in two ways. The conventional way is that once you've done your degree of architecture, there are a whole lot of uh, fields that open up to you, right from communication design to product design to photography to writing to planning, that is city planning, urban planning, conservation of buildings, landscape design, building engineering, you name it. I mean, these are the fields that open up for you, but you need the basic degree of an architect for doing this including interior architecture. That also is a part of that field. Uh, So you can branch off very easily. You can also remain a conventional architect uh, with your basic BARC degree. But there is something else that architecture does. And here I'd like to narrate what I was told by a friend. And this was many years ago, I think almost like 15, 20 years ago. So this friend, and I do not know if it is true or false, but it sounds fascinating, so I'm telling you this story, that uh, in Italy at that time, there were just four schools of architecture. And each school had close to some 10,000 students graduating every year. So in a tiny country like Italy, there were like 40,000 students of architecture graduating every year. And that's fascinating because it's obvious that all of them will not get projects or jobs as architects. So why do they have 40,000 people? The answer was that Italians realized that architecture is the only course which works with both sides of your brain. It has got engineering and the scientific rational way of approaching a design and the creative, the free thinking way combined into one course. So a lot of people did the course not to become architects, but to become people with a greater ability to think and create whatever they want to be. And people from there, after doing architecture, went and did banking. If I take our own example, Ratan Tata trained as an architect, right, from Columbia University. But he has not, as far as I know, practiced architecture to any great detail. Mm -hmm. But look at him, look at what he has done to the Tata Sons company, right? I believe the architectural education has held him in good faith in whatever he has taken up. Because that brings us to the third aspect, which is architects are the original design thinkers. Today you have, right from chartered accountants to MBAs trying to sell you courses on design thinking. In my opinion, they are not the right course. It's a real design course like architecture. And as I said, architecture is the oldest profession is where this whole idea of design thinking comes in. 
So it's not just about research and analysis. It is to find a solution to a problem. That is what architects do. You never say, okay, this is the problem. We have a housing problem. So many things. We need so many units. But it's the architect who figures out how those units should be, how they need to be built so that people can go live in them in a short amount of time. So that's design thinking. And that is the main, uh, I think that's the main takeaway from a course like architecture. That you are not limited to being an architect who's just making buildings. The world opens up in front of you, you can get into anything. So to give another example, a very close friend of mine, a contemporary of mine from SPA, Itu Chaudhary. He trained as an architect, but he never practiced architecture. He's one of the best graphic designers in the country today. I'll give you another name. One year senior to me, Arundhati Roy, who's now an activist of some repute, right? Became famous because of her book, God of Small Things. She also never really practiced architecture. Instead, she wrote uh, screenplays for movies. So, you know, all these people, they are the ones who did architecture, not necessarily to remain an architect, but architecture gives them the ability to move in any direction. And I think that's the greatness of this course. So you go in, not with the idea that, you know, you are just going to be this cut and dried architect, but that you're going to become a creative thinker and a problem solver. I think that's the main takeaway for, as to why you should do architecture, whether it is interior architecture or regular architecture. Mm -hmm. I think that was a really beautiful answer, sir. And I, I love how you pointed out that architecture is more um, self oriented rather than career oriented. Yeah. I mean, from what I understood. Yeah, you're right. And it's um, one of the, so let me just put in here, it's one of the few professions where you can start up by yourself. You see, there are a lot of other professions where you need to be employed at the end of your uh, education. So in architecture, you need to be employed just to gain some experience, but you can actually start off on your own. You can do a small house, for example, and it's extremely satisfying if you want to remain just an architect. But as I said, you can diversify into anything, anything that is a creative field. That sounds really great, sir. I'm definitely looking forward to studying design and architecture in the future after hearing that. Okay. So uh, that wraps up today's episode, sir. Thank you so much, Professor Snehanchu, for joining us. Uh, it was such a delight speaking to you, and we hope you enjoyed your time with us too. Absolutely. The pleasure was all mine because you asked me some pretty, uh, what should I say, tough questions. And I had to think on my feet and really do soul searching to answer you. <laughs> so I enjoyed it as much. Oh, we're so glad yeah. to hear that. We're so glad to hear that. No, it was. A, I enjoyed in touch, myself. Absolutely. Do we'll do. Touch, we will. And we, we will. hope to catch up sometime later too. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Pleasure was all mine. To all our listeners, make sure you check out Professor Snehanshu's details in the description below. You can find us on Instagram at the Design Pod India and at the Design Menu. Please subscribe to this podcast and help us out by rating today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Stay safe and healthy. Bye, guys. <laughs>